The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called When Pigs Fly because I actually have two stories about pigs. <laughs> you know, you don't hear that saying very much anymore, but I liked it. I only have two pig stories. Couldn't get a whole episode of pig stories. Tried. <laughs> I have a story about a bat, two stories that relate to the recent news when the German women tried to smuggle the dead guy in the sunglasses on the airplane, two of those stories, and uh, a few people express stories. Even though that was a few episodes ago, those people express stories keep showing up. And the music for this episode, I have been so busy lately. I'm sorry, I, I owe so many people emails back. People have sent me really nice emails and I haven't gotten back to them and this um, guy in the Netherlands, Bas Winkle, sent me the music I'm going to use for this podcast, and I never even got—I never even thanked him. So I'm thanking you now, Bas. <laughs> I got a couple pieces of business to get to before we get to when pigs fly. Um, of course, my book is out, and uh, my book is available. The ebook is half the price of the paperback book. You can get it at Smashwords.com, and it still has the cartoons and everything. And um, you know, I don't have an audio book yet. I don't know if we're going to do an audiobook because this podcast is kind of like an audiobook in and of itself, but I do like audiobooks and audible.com right now is having a special where you can uh, sign up for two weeks for free and get a free audiobook. If you're interested in that, um, you can go to my website, bettingthesky.com, and there's a link if you want to get a free audiobook. So let's get moving to when pigs fly. So what happened? I was standing at the boarding door boarding during boarding, and a woman gets on, a rather, rather well-endowed woman, and I say, how are you today? And she's like, fine. Guess what? And I was like, what? She says, look at this. And she pulls her shirt apart, and she has a live bat between her breasts. A live bat? A live bat. And she says, look at this. She says, look at this. And its little head was sticking out of her cleavage. <laughs> So I was working a flight from Cincinnati to LA. We're boarding. I was wearing my uniform dress and this passenger calls me over. He's sitting at a window seat. There's a, most of the passengers are already sitting down and he says, um, when did you guys start? And at this point I'm thinking well, any number of questions he could possibly ask me because there's a whole bunch of things we just started doing. Uh, and he goes, when did you guys start wearing uniforms? I was thinking, what? <laughs> Since the profession started, always, when did we start wearing uniforms? So I just couldn't help myself. Sometimes I just, things just blurt out. And I said, oh, yeah, the days of the naked flight attendants are long gone. <laughs> and 
all the passengers started laughing. I felt a little bad, you know, because I, you know, I sort of made fun of him. So later on, he comes back to the galley and says, you know, your answer to my question was very coy. (laughs) And I said, I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. I mean, when did we start wearing uniforms? We've always worn uniforms. (laughs) And I said, but hey, you know what? Nobody's ever asked me that, and I do like first. Supposedly, a woman uh, had registered when when she bought her ticket for an emotional service animal, emotional service animal, like as opposed to blind service or whatever. Emotional support. Yeah, okay, emotional support. And she showed up with a 200-pound pig, and uh, I guess the gate agent was baffled, didn't know what the hell to do. So the, somehow the thing got on the airplane and at one point in the flight decided it wanted to sit in the galley and they couldn't get it to move. And it yeah, ended but it's up, hard to get a 200-pound pig yeah. to move. And then it ended up defecating all over the place and the, the woman wouldn't clean it up and it was this huge hairy mess. Yeah, the cops meet the airplane in it. So that's definitely, that's actually literally when pigs fly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally. This morning on into Los Angeles. Okay, it, is, wait. it is just a story, trust me. All right, but now this is exciting to me because you were with People Express. I was just talking about this like two podcasts ago. Now you had a tell a, a hijacker story from People Express times? Yeah, now I wasn't a crew on the flight. But the way the story was told to me by someone who was on the flight was yeah. is that they were going from Pittsburgh to Newark and a guy gets up and says, take me to the cockpit, I'm hijacking the airplane. He gets in the cockpit and he says... I want to go to Atlantic City. And they're both like, Atlantic City? He said, yes, I want to go to Atlantic City. So they set course for Atlantic City, and they do what they have to do with the government. Everyone's aware, and they're progressing towards Atlantic City. And the co-pilot turns around and says, uh, hey, buddy, you know that we've got a $19 fare from Newark to Atlantic City. And the guy's shoulders just slumped, and he laid his gun down in complete and total frustration and defeat. And they haul him off the airplane in Atlantic City and threw him in federal prison. That's the story that I was doing. Okay, this is an agent in... The agent in Sarasota, People Express, told me that two guys tried to get on the airplane one day with their dad in a wheelchair. And they're pushing him out to the airplane. The guy was pasty white, didn't look good. The agent kind of touched him and said, your dad doesn't look too good. No, he's okay, let's get him on the straight back. Because we didn't have jetways. So they were going to put him on a straight back and carry him up the steps. And finally, the agent just decided that there's something wrong with this guy. Turns out he was dead. Yeah, it's cheaper than right. transporting. Right. Right. That's happened a few times. Probably. That? <laughs> and I was greeting the passengers one day, and a guy got on, talk about carry-on luggage. A guy tried to come on with two truck tires. <laughs> and I just said, oh, it's spinners. Oh, yeah, remember spinners? So that same pilot who... Worked for People Express, told me another story, but unfortunately I didn't have my microphone and recorder out. He was saying, it was really fun for me to talk to somebody else who flew for People Express. But he was saying, you know what, People Express, they didn't have seat assignments. And sometimes people, they let more people on than we had seats for. (laughs) So at the very end of the boarding process, they'd be spinning around with this blank stare like, I don't see a seat. (laughs) So he said the 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 pilots would have to open up the cockpit window and yell out to the gate agent to bring the stairs back. And they'd say, hey, we've got spinners. we got spinners. Bring the stairs back. <laughs> so the people that couldn't find their seat, he called them spinners. <laughs> Wait, this is, this is a pilot with a, a what? 
the rubber chickens. Don't you remember those? It's like a rubber chicken. Yeah, but I don't remember a pilot with a rubber chicken. No, he would announce that we possibly had a bird strike. He'd open the door and he'd throw this chicken <laughs> out of the cockpit and land in the middle of first class. And he got, you know, a lot of people think it's funny, but there's always that one guy who's like, oh, that's not funny, you know, and makes a written complaint, you know. So my co-author, Janet, sent me this story. Talk about unrealistic expectations of your flight crew. The story's from Canada, Montreal. A resident's lawsuit against the airline for failure to provide him with appropriate medical attention during a flight was dismissed in court this past Tuesday. His illness, sudden and mysterious bleeding in the area between his legs. <laughs> the curious incident occurred February 15th during a flight from Montreal to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Marcel Coke was comfortably seated in business class an hour after takeoff when, for some unknown reason, he felt enough discomfort to make an emergency visit to the washroom where he discovered spots of blood on his body. In a panic, Coke asked for the help of a flight attendant who quickly came to his side. When the passenger noticed that the flight attendant was female, he asked to be assisted by a male flight attendant because the bleeding seemed to be coming from his genital area. Yes, guys out there, we we do not check genital areas. <laughs> and don't take us to court because we're not, not willing to check your genital area. When the male flight attendant came to his help, coach uh, then asked him to closely examine his genital area to find the exact nature of the problem. Flight attendant declined, giving him uh, absorbent paper instead. Indignant and distressed, Coke quickly expressed his wish to see a doctor. Before supplying him with sanitary towels, <laughs> the members of the flight crew told him that they would contact a physician if the illness seemed grave enough. Upon arriving at Puerto Vallarta three hours later, he met with a travel agent he knew, and she took him to the hospital in a taxi. He was examined by a doctor who determined the coat had ruptured a vein near his scrotum. Three stitches were needed to close the wound. We also don't stitch up people's scrotum in flight, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> he says when he started off as a dream vacation to a southern paradise with his wife, in the end turned into a nightmare. He claimed that the incident ruined his vacation and made him anxious about flying. He sued the airline and the employees on the flight that day, accusing them of failing to provide appropriate medical assistance, seeking damages of $8,000 for the anguish he suffered as a result of their neglect. Neglect to examine his genital areas. The judge, thank goodness, <laughs> rejected his case. Her decision, she said, she agreed with the arguments by the airline and the court that flight attendants do not have the right to examine passengers, much less give a diagnosis. <laughs> it is not incumbent upon a flight attendant to conduct medical examinations of a passenger, a measure reserved for the medical profession. <laughs> Although she conceded that Coat could very well have experienced troubling moments in this episode, the judge maintained that nothing in the facts proves that the situation was dangerous or worrisome to the point of requiring the immediate attention of a doctor. Yeah, so again, this is a very strange story, and um, yeah, we don't examine genital areas on the flight. Nope, uh-uh, not going to happen. This guy was a new hire classmate of mine, and about uh, he got when we got hired, some of the guys went to the DC-9. And the old DC-9s, you could go through the cockpit down and through the, yep, yep. And down on the ground. So he said he was a new guy, you know, like several months with the company. And this captain he was flying with him was just a real joker. He says, we're going to play a joke on this new hire flight attendant. You know, they're all new hire flight attendants yeah. like DC-9s. So he said, you know, they, get, they do their thing. The flight attendants haven't showed up. He gets down under the wheel well. They could, the flight attendants come on, and they, he's, 
captain's grouse about this damn first officer's not showing you know i'm so pissed off at this guy we're just leaving close the door <laughs> so that this new you know she closes the door and so he cops up they fly yeah. to louisville wherever they're going and then when they land they go to the gate the guy skinny's back down he runs up the jetway and <laughs> opens the door and he comes running in with us he had a suitcase whatever with deep breathing like god it took me forever to get up to louisville <laughs> she opens the door and the guy who's supposed to be in the seat comes running up to the yeah. to the jetway well, that was Okay, so we all heard recently in the news about the two German ladies who tried to bring uh, the dead man on the plane. Um, They put sunglasses on him and tried to bring him on the plane because, you know, it's expensive to ship a corpse. It's cheaper to pretend like they're alive. And the weird part about this is that every single person in the airline industry has heard stories about this, people trying to smuggle dead bodies on the plane. They've tried to bring them on in garment bags. They try to... It's very sad, and I actually haven't told my own story about this because I didn't want to come off as quote unquote cold. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a strange subject, and I, I'm still not sure if I should tell this story. But we were on a flight from LA to Guadalajara, and Mexican people like to prefer to die at home in their home country and lots of times we are shipping corpses back to Mexico and this family is boarding this old woman in a wheelchair and she boy was she pale and because we've all heard those stories uh, the other flight attendants were saying to me you know is she alive you know is she really alive she doesn't she looks really bad and we're all afraid that you know nobody wants to have that conversation excuse me is this a dead person so I go up and I look at her and she was breathing. I saw her breathing and I went back and told the other flight attendants, yes, she's breathing. You know, she looks horrible. She looks like she's on her last legs or definitely her last leg to Guadalajara. And um, what made us feel better was I talked to the family and her son who was traveling with her was a medical doctor. He actually showed me his identification. He was a medical doctor and they had a bunch of other family members. So once we realized she was traveling with a doctor we felt better because obviously he knows what he's doing so during the flight she looked worse I mean I was looking at her thinking "Ooh, I think she's dead um but I didn't say anything uh she's traveling with her son who's a doctor he knows if somebody's alive or dead so he wasn't saying anything and he wasn't like trying to do CPR trying to revive her so I was assuming he knew she was dead and he was okay with it or you know not okay but as okay as you can be so I didn't say anything because if I say anything it's a strange um, legal issue if we think somebody's dead we have to do CPR it doesn't matter if they're dead dead you have to do CPR we have to divert the flight and we we have to continue doing CPR until um somebody legally pronounces the person dead and she's traveling with her son so he knows she's dead so I'm not going to say excuse me hello I think your mother's dead and we need to do CPR on her now even though she's dead so I didn't say anything I mean I know it's touchy I know it's cold but I'm thinking okay she's dead you know I'm not going to say anything though and the whole flight went on none of the passengers paid any attention whatsoever because she was in the front row of coach nobody nobody knew uh, I didn't say anything to the other flight attendants. We did our normal service. We land. And then the son, the doctor says, yes, my mother died in flight. So we need to get a coroner. And so that confirmed what I thought. Yes, she was dead. And so I went to the other flight attendants and I'm like, 
you know, I knew she was dead. And the other flight attendant says, I knew she was dead. The other flight attendant said, I knew she was dead. The other flight attendant said, I knew she was dead. But, you know, all of us silently made the decision not to say anything because we would have had to divert the flight and do CPR on a dead woman. And because she was traveling with her son, who was a doctor, we all sort of felt like it was okay not to say, hello, she's dead. Thank you very much. And I do wish you a very enjoyable Okay, so, you know, we, we think we've heard everything, right? So what just happened to you on that flight? Well, I never thought I'd actually have to say this, but I'm walking through the aisle, and I look down, and I ask, whose tooth is this? <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was a mouthpiece with one tooth hanging off the end of it, and a gentleman looked over and smiled, this gap-tooth smile, and said, it's mine. <laughs> so I've been writing all these articles, trying to get press for the book, and I, um, I get topics that different media outlets are looking for and glamour magazine was looking for the worst thing i had to do for my boss now i'm sending in this article and most likely they won't use it but you never know i've been getting some stuff published who knows who would have thought i'm becoming a writer (laughs) anyway i wrote to them i said i'm a flight attendant so I don't have a traditional boss. You could say the captain is my boss, but the captain sits behind a big metal door and there's a new captain on every flight. So I would say my real boss is the passengers. And the worst thing I had to do for my boss was decidedly unglamorous. Recently, I was flying from LA to Honolulu and an older man in the front row of coach came up to use the lavatory in first class. He was in there a really long time. And when he, when he, exited there was a really foul odor now that unto itself isn't out of the ordinary but then a first class passenger came out of the lab and said there was an unholy mess in there and now my flying partner looked inside the lab this guy and he came out bent over holding his stomach and said i think i'm gonna throw up and now this don't you know that's unusual (laughs) i didn't want to look in the lab I looked inside and was horrified to see number two smeared on the toilet, on the seat, all over the door. My male coworker said, I can't clean that up. And now, you know, we're at 35,000 feet and there's very few alternatives. I could lock off the bathroom, but we're on a 757. There's only one aisle. And on this particular 757, there's only one lavatory in first class, none in the middle. And the other three are all the way in the back of the airplane. So if I lock off that lavatory, that means, especially when we have the carts in the aisle, the whole front of the plane has no access to a lavatory. You know, this does, it just didn't seem fair to my bosses, the passengers. So I took some deep breaths, put on some latex gloves, and I entered the brown zone. Oh, I couldn't imagine how in the world he got poop everywhere. You know, I assumed he had an accident in his pants and was trying to clean himself up and kept bumping into things. Or he was a really disturbed individual and was doing some sort of painting from hell. I mean, it was revolting. In the end, I used a vodka to sanitize the area. This was the worst thing I had to do for my boss this month. You were doing a military, like a craft trip? Bringing some troops home from the Middle East from their deployment. Showered and bathed as best they could with the facilities that they have. But when they board the plane, it still looked a bit like the Snoopy character, Pigpen, with the cloud of dust hanging in the airplane, just sort of hovering. It was like Pigpen, isn't it? It was. The whole desert is. 
I had three Marines sitting across from me, and as we took off from Kuwait City, the one in the middle of the three Marines was obviously the instigator of his buddies. So as we took off from Kuwait City, he yelled at his friends, Marines, salute. They all looked out the window and they flipped off the desert. (laughs) Marines, salute. (laughs) So I said to him, I said, you should let your true feelings out. He said, sir, I'm never leaving the effing United States again, sir. <laughs> Next up is a edited, shortened version of an interview I did for the Stuff File. If you want to hear the whole 11-minute interview, you can go to BettyInTheSky.com and click on Betty's Press Room. This is the Stuff File. You know, at any given moment, there are tens of thousands of people who are airborne, and with that many strangers crammed into flying metal tubes at 30,000 feet, strange things are bound to happen. Luckily, one flight attendant likes to chronicle these stories. She has a podcast called Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase, which is now also the name of her book. Joining us through the wonderful world of Skype-to-Skype communications is Betty in the Sky herself. Hi, Betty. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for being on the program with us. Now, I understand that you come from a a large family. Yes, 10 children. I'm the youngest of 10. Youngest of 10. Does that situation make you well-suited to be a flight attendant? (laughs) You know, actually, nobody actually has asked me that before, but you're exactly right. You know, there was no space when you have 10 children. (laughs) You know, there's only one and a half bathrooms for 12 people. So I was always used to being in a confined area with a lot of people. So yes, maybe it did help. So tell us some of the things, uh, because the subtitle of the book is Hilarious Stories of Air Travel from the World's Favorite Flight Attendant. So there you go. Uh, and, you know, that is a little disconcerting because I'm afraid, you know, we have all the gay flight attendants, you know, and I think they're gonna, if I ever have a bad day, they're going to be saying, like, you ain't nobody's favorite. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> whose favorite do you think you are? <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting a little backlash from that. <laughs> well, well, first of all, the wacky stories, do they mostly involve the passengers or do, do they sometimes involve other crew members? Oh, lots of times they involve other crew members. <laughs> we have crazy, you know, here's the thing. My job is one of the least supervised jobs there are. You know, we don't have a boss on the plane. Um, we have flight attendants. Oh, I probably shouldn't say this, but we have flight attendants that if they were doing another job, would have been fired within like three days. But they've been flying for 30 years. <laughs> like, well, you know, it's interesting. You say you don't have any bosses on the plane, but is it not possible that... Any one of the passengers could be a a superior in your own airline and you not know it? Aren't you always being watched? Well, it is like living in a fishbowl. And I actually was just talking about this recently, that I don't have a boss. My only real boss is actually the passengers. They are my boss, but I don't have – it's not – what I'm saying is it's not very supervised. So, like, we just had a flight attendant recently who came to work in one high heel and one flat. (laughs) (laughs) and the other guy flight attendant was like what are you doing she goes oh i I grabbed the wrong shoes when i was leaving and he's like we're on a three-day trip you can't walk around with one high heel one flat (laughs) so he came back to the galley and she was in her bare feet like her stocking feet and he's like no you can't do that either (laughs) all i'm saying is that it is not a very supervised job it's sort of self-supervised so we have to, we can have some wacky people there's no no safety you know issues with that just some 
some crazy folks. And and do you prefer the term flight attendant? Do you get upset with the term stewardess? I won't say you know, what, I won't say what Joan Rivers has been calling people over the years. Oh no, what has she been calling people over the years? Uh, well, she has a well, again, she's a stand-up comic, right? Yes, yeah, that's Oh, I love to be made fun of. Oh, I don't know if you want to go this direction. She high altitude hookers. Oh, that's okay. okay. I've actually um no, I, it's not a, I'm not saying it's okay, but I never get offended. <laughs> okay. You you can't offend me. Actually, I, I was doing a uh, interview with the BBC and they said, how do you like being called a trolley dolly? And I'm like, oh, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> trolley dolly. And I never heard of the high altitude hookers before. That's a, that's definitely a new one on me. I should write that down. Okay. Thousands of interviews in over 30 years of broadcasting. And I got to tell you, that is the perkiest, happiest person you will ever meet. You- You're listening to the Stuff File program with Peter Andrews. Okay, I'm asking for uh, something about when pigs fly. Well, <laughs> there was this slovenly man that came down the aisle. Slovenly, yes. Yeah. Slovenly. I like that word. Yes. And he, he just—he was taking up a lot of room in the aisle, yeah. we'll say. And he looked kind of sweaty. Yeah. And then he waddled his way back to the lavatory during boarding and went in there and then came out and he put his hands on the the two aisle seats in the last row and when he removed his hands from the two seats I noticed these big wet spots on on each seat and I'm thinking okay I won't be leaning on those seats and then this this young lady who was just a few rows away this young lady was just a few rows away was was stowing her carry-on items and she had a, a bag and she had a garment bag and she put the garment bag in the aisle it was just a soft yeah. garment bag she put that down in the aisle on the floor while she stowed her larger bag in the overhead bin. Well, the slovenly wet-handed man goes walking down the aisle and he like squeezes past her, pushing her out of the aisle into the seat and steps dead center in the middle of her garment bag with his big old booted shoe foot, whatever. Stepped, stepped right in the middle of it <laughs> and kept on walking. And he's, you know, he, he doesn't fit in the aisle with her and she just kind of got shoved out of the way. And she turned to look and she sees his foot in the middle of her, of her garment bag. And he just it completely ignored her and kept on walking. And she just stood there with her mouth open going, ah. Looking at the floor, looking at him, looking at the floor, looking at him, and he just kept on walking, leaving wet spots on every seat as he, from his hands on the back of every seat as he walked back to his seat. Yeah, that's when pigs that fly. Is, <laughs> yeah. This is the old days of before they they put all the schedulers in it. Every base had their own schedulers, and they were there in the pilot lounge when you came down. So they kind of knew you, and you knew them, and you saw their faces. Well, there's an old story of this guy who used to just screw up by the numbers. And he used to what? Screw up by the numbers. He just messed <laughs> things up all the time. And they knew who the guy was. And so this one scheduler comes down. He says, uh, Reggie called in sick. He's not going to make his trip. He's supposed to sign in here in 10 minutes or something. He goes, well, that's fine. I just saw him up in the terminal. He called in sick, and there was non-revving somewhere. Sick and he was at the airport? He was at the airport, non revving to go somewhere on vacation. And he, oh my God. he was there, and the guy saw Well, I just saw him up in the terminal. It could be that sick. Well, that's busted, isn't it? That's busted. There's yeah, right. another, another old story. Well, this is like another back in the day story. There was a guy, Boston based. This guy's wife calls crew scheduling and says, uh, You know, I'm looking for Joe. I can't remember his name, Joe, whatever. 
um, his dad has died and we need to track him down. And they go, well, well, Joe, whatever, retired three years ago. <laughs> he every three or four days would pack his bags and... Yeah, like it's actually not her. unusual. I've heard a few of those stories. Isn't yeah, that amazing? So, yeah. She didn't even know he was retired. But, you know, we also have a flight attendant who puts on her uniform like three days a uh, month and <laughs> pretends like she's going to work for the day. And she has a trailer on her property where she goes and like reads a book, <laughs> like just so she doesn't have to take care of her husband. And then comes home. Like, you must really not like your husband if you put on your uniform and pretend to go to work just to get some uh, alone time. Is this in addition to actually working? Yeah. Like three days a month. Yeah, that's that's not a good sign. No. Boy, things sure are getting surreal in my life. You know, this this book thing is so interesting because I'm trying to get all this press for the book. Not sure if it's translating into any sales yet. <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of weird consequences. Like everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm I'm trouble I'm I'm in trouble getting afraid of work. <laughs> I'm always afraid of getting in trouble at work because I actually really like my job and I love the travel benefits and it's the job that actually I get paid to do. So I really want to keep that. So that's the reason for the Betty N. Thesky <laughs> name on the book. And what's funny is that some people get it right away and some people don't. So I get called Miss Thesky all the time. Miss Thesky. <laughs> And the funny thing about that is, you know, I've never been married, so I've never had to change my name, but now I know what it's like because basically I am now married to Betty Thesky <laughs> and I answer to it and it, it it doesn't, I don't even blink. I answer no problem to Miss Thesky. <laughs> hey, and guess, get this. Okay. I'm going to stop talking about the book, but I have an interview with USA Today. USA Today. Oh, <laughs> on Thursday. So that's exciting. Okay. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Actually, speaking of traveling the world, I'm heading off on a quick one-week trip to Bonaire or Bonaire. I haven't heard anybody say it, so I'm not quite sure how it's pronounced, but it's an island uh, almost to Venezuela. So uh, they have a lot of uh, pink flamingos there. There's great snorkeling and diving. And uh, I'll probably tell you all about it when I get back from Bonaire or Bonaire. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.